0: Okay, welcome to this workshop on leveraging your conference presentation for career success. Can I get a thumbs up if you can hear me and a thumbs up if you can see uh, what's on the screen. So that's two thumbs up. Can you see what I'm presenting? There should be a, a slide there. Just a thumbs up to screen if you can see that. Cool, nice. And obviously you can hear me given you responded. Okay. So, I guess a lot of people's experiences with conference presentations, particularly in the academic field, is this idea here presented by PhD Comics, which you have this massive plan, and then how it goes um, is that it all goes to uh, hell in a handbasket. So, hopefully, today I'll give you some tips about trying to avoid this, even if you get the, the bottom thing happen to you, um, and also talk about some best practices. And as I put in the ad for this program, Uh, We'll also talk about how you can try and leverage it so that you can uh, hopefully get additional work out of this as well. Um, In terms of how people think about presentations, I think the most common one is the one towards the very end. Um, You know, lots of people are thinking about the proposals that they would rather be writing uh, than being here. Some people are paying attention, but most have got something else on their mind. So one of the things that you really need to do in something like this is um, to make sure that you're um, you're engaging your um, your participants as you go um, and like i said these are those comics are from phdcomics.com this is me. If you'd like to connect with me and you're not already connected, LinkedIn is the best place to do that. Uh, following LinkedIn. If you're on Twitter, I'd love to see you on Twitter and um, exchange, have a chat there. Uh, obviously I've got a YouTube channel. All of the stuff that I do uh, ends up there in some form or another. There's lots of recordings there, other workshops, etc. cetera. Uh, and if all of that isn't quite the way you want to um, connect with me, no drama, an email or an SMS is also um, a good way to chat with me and you know get some advice if you're interested. Um, so we are recording, so just bear that in mind as you participate. Uh, keep your examples or information de-identified, particularly when you're talking about other people. Um, so yeah, no swearing, etc. Um, The best way you can get lots out of this is by participating. So if you have a question, I'm more than happy for you to open your own mic and hopefully open up your camera and say, Richard, I have a question and ask away. Uh, There's no such thing as a stupid question other than a question that goes unasked. So please stop me wherever I might be and ask. We are time limited. I will stop at or before 1.15, so I just bear that in mind. That also means that we might not cover everything that you'd like to cover. Don't stress about that. All of the methods about contacting me are a way that you can potentially find more information about um, how to uh, prepare for your next conference presentation. If you haven't already noticed, I tend to talk quickly. Sometimes I can mumble if that happens to you. If you miss what I hear, what I say, uh, please let me know and I'll try to slow down or go back over something. If you're watching or listening to this on the podcast or YouTube channel, you know you pause, rewind, and fast forward are uh, all of your friends. I'm happy for you to share this in any way that you see fit. So if you want to share it on Twitter or Instagram or um, on LinkedIn, um, by all means do so uh, just make sure you acknowledge me as the person that delivered the piece of work. And you can do that by just simply tagging me. Uh, and, um, yeah, feel free to go from there. There in this presentation, there aren't so many pieces of content that are other people's information, but where it is, I'll let you know, so you can appropriately acknowledge them as well. Off we go. I started out my journey as a PhD student at Myers university, and then I became a consultant and now I help, researchers answer the question, what next? But on more than that, I do lots of different things. I play soccer, I play the drums, I like to cook. I have lots of pets, including a turtle, a, two dogs and a rabbit. Um, I have a family and I like to go on holidays. So I'd love to know a little bit about you. I can't get you to fill in all of that stuff, but I do have a poll here that'll hopefully allow me to know a little bit about you. So I'm just interested, where are you in relation to your PhD? So lots of people in second year. Lots of second years. Clearly second year must be the year that you have to do your first presentation. One yet to start. Cool. Hopefully you can see that. So this is the people that you're in the room with at the moment. Mostly, like I said, mostly second years, uh, first and third years, and a couple that are um, on the other side of academia. Uh, so that might be useful for you to know as we progress through. So um, in terms of the how to design the presentation, the first thing is to ask for what you want as a result of the presentation. So you know, if you want to connect with people for collaboration, make sure that that's included. If you want to connect with people on social media, make sure that that's included. Uh, One of the things that we rarely do when preparing these kinds of presentations is try to understand what it is that we want other than conveying, here's some awesome research that I did, what else might we want to get out of this presentation? So start with a list of what you wanna get out of it and then work out a way of asking that question in, um, or asking for what you want in your presentation. But there's lots of ways that this can manifest to make things go a bit more favorably for your f- presentation. Um, so you would have seen, uh, I made some specific asks at the start of this, which was all about my social media content. That's an easy way of asking for connection. Um, and if you ask people to connect on platforms that you're interested in, ResearchGate might be one, or Twitter or LinkedIn, if you're looking for work, that's a really useful way of, um, of connecting with other people um, and asking them, you know, here's what I'd want from you, let's connect. And that allows you to have a conversation afterwards, perhaps. There are lots of other things you could ask them um, or, or you could let them know, I should say, as part of your presentation, <laughs> that there's room for improvement. Uh, I don't know that of any researcher who's presenting, you know, essentially finalized pieces of work. And as a student, which it seems most of you are as a student presenting your work in a way that says it's still under construction. I'm still going through my PhD that can take the pressure off you trying to present not just a perfect presentation, but perfect research. So be feel free to let people know that there is room for improvement um, in there. The other thing that you can do in terms of asking people for what you're after is ask for them, ask people to let you know what they liked about your presentation or what they liked about your research or what they liked about the way you did your work or how you designed the experiment, whatever it might be. So that asking for a for positive feedback and don't. I don't know that it would work to be as overt as say, I would like some positive feedback, but you could say, I'd love to, at the end of my presentation, I'd love if you could um, let me know some of the things that you think I did well in here, or you could let me know um, what you think about how well my experiment was designed. Those kinds of questions might elicit some more positive interaction from an audience, particularly in an adversarial audience that we often find ourselves um, in, in academia. Does anyone have any questions about how or what to ask in relation to um, the presentation? If you've got a question, like I said, open your mic or you can type it into the chat and I'll try and catch it. But if there are none, I'll assume we're all good and I'll move on to the next part of what I'm doing. So um, I'd love to know... um, a little bit about what you think is the most important part of an academic uh, presentation. So I've got another poll. It'd be great if you could respond. So a few different things coming in. Most popular so far is discussion. Some people indicating introduction, background or methods. Some um, conclusion. So discussion seems to be the most popular. So you should be able to see that poll there now. Uh, The the discussion is what people think of as being the most important. There's a few other people in there as well, um, thinking about the methods or the background or the introduction and some on the conclusion. Uh, I don't have a strong view here. It all comes down to what you think is the most important about your research. So if your research project is all about how you conducted the data, how you conducted the experiment, then the methods would be really important. And that should be front and center. If you're, if you're talking about your results, then I think that would actually be more important to, and interestingly, no one put their results up there at all. Um, and I think about results as sort of, you know, the tables and graphs that you might have. Um, the discussion part, obviously, in the presentation itself afterwards is really important, but the results will be what will foster the discussion. To me, the discussion part in a presentation that you might give is how you put it into the context of the wider um, academic environment that you find yourself uh, within. Um, if we go back to this um presentation plan that um, PhD comics wrote. And we said, if I'd look at this, I think there are a few problems. If this is your ideal plan, I would change a lot of this to start with. Um, So yes, I'd definitely introduce yourself. Uh, I don't know that you'd spend what appears to be, um, you know, three minutes or so on that, or maybe not so much three, but I don't know, I wouldn't spend ages introducing yourself, but having a good story or a hook or a reason that people can remember you might be useful. Uh, In terms of my presentation today, you might've heard that I talked about um, the pets that I have and what I like to do. And that might make this presentation memorable for you. So that's a little trick you can do to help um, make the presentations more personal i'm not sure that you need to describe the outline of the talk so today you you would have potentially noticed that i didn't talk about what um what i was going to talk about at all i just went straight into here's the content i don't even know what motivation is that might be the motivation for you to do the piece of work um but again i don't know that that might be useful insofar as it can help you tell an, or tell the audience a story and stories are a really useful way of explaining your research but I don't know that I would um, other than talking about a story I don't know that I would talk about my motivation in great detail. Um, the methodology and experimental design this is an interesting one you can see according to this um, diagram it takes up the, probably the single largest portion of the whole talk bigger than the results or the conclusion or the question and answer and that to me is wrong i think that's one of the biggest mistakes we make is we spend ages talking about how we did something and for the most part most researchers in most audiences if you told them the if you gave them the name of the piece of um experiment that you conducted um you know a a qualitative survey a um semi-structured interview, um, randomized sampling, convenience sampling, um, you know, SDS page, Western blot, they'll immediately understand what that is. And so going through that detail is probably not going to be necessary unless it's a new method or a new approach that you need to introduce the audience to and i think not enough time in this particular diagram is spent focusing on the results and conclusions and i would even encourage you and we get to this a bit later to potentially think about putting things in a different order putting the results closer to the front of the talk and having a bunch of slides or a bunch of prep that talks about uh how you conducted the work and if someone asks a question you can go yep i you know here's a slide all about how i did the qualitative interviews or how I recruited participants or how I found the birds that I was interested in or how I um, tagged the cells that I was interested in. Um, And that allows you to kind of focus on the area that you think is most important rather than go, well, I'm going to miss out the important bit because I spent ages talking about stuff you probably already knew. And then this is what we all want to be big, you know, big applause section and a big, big engaging question and answer. And by putting your results up front and by talking about yourself, those kinds of things can help with that. And like I said, when you ask the audience for the kinds of questions that you're looking for, for the kind of interaction that you're looking for, that will lead to a more engaging question and answer as well. So then if we looked at the comparison of these two and some of the mistakes that I think people make and how I would address them. So you can't do anything about a speaker that's prior to you that goes over time. Uh, I have seen, for those of you that are interested in uh, presentation using online methods like this, I have seen um, people spend or go over time less frequently and less often. I don't know what it is about this method, but people are somewhat better at presenting uh, in this way, in terms of time than in other ways. Um, technical difficulties, connecting your laptop. I guess there might be some stuff that you can do about that, but let's assume that um, there's nothing you can do about that. Certainly in a Zoom or a video-based session, you know, following the advice of the um, organize that the conference organizer in terms of coming online early, testing your audio, testing your um, mic, testing your video, testing all the things that you want to do is a really important step that can avoid those technical difficulties. Um, So don't skip that and don't think you can just rock up, you know, a minute early and sort that out. Generally speaking, if it doesn't work, it'll probably take five or 10 minutes and that makes things boring. Um, So obviously introduce yourself. Yep. Great way um and then as they out pro- here spend way too much describing your outline, which is another reason why you potentially or you shouldn't do that you can spend too much time doing that. Um, you get annoying questions and I think questions, um, you know, if you ask for the type of question that you're after, you can say, oh I'm going to answer that question or I'm really looking for this kind of question And so you can bat that away as it were with how you <clears throat> how you introduced yourself in your talk. Um, and then here are the bad things that you have lots of control over realizing that you've only got three minutes left and powering through the rest of your slides. Both of those things you can avoid by one, keeping an eye on the time by doing things like practicing. But like I said, front end your talk with all of the important information so that if you run out of time, everything that was important came first rather than last. And you can, you know, if we, when we tell stories and when we write stories, often we write the most important piece of information first, and then we follow with all of the in other information that helps fill in the detail. So don't be worried if you go, oh, I'm going to put my key result up front and the audience is not going to understand. That's, that's true. If you put it up front, they won't understand, but you'll have your entire presentation to go through and provide that understanding. And then you've still got the question and answer, whereas if, if they don't understand, you can bring them up to speed. Are there any questions on that? Everyone's good. Awesome. Thumbs up if you're good. Yep. Great. Few thumbs up. Awesome. So I'd love to know, perhaps type in the chat, what do you think makes a good presentation? And what do you think makes a good presenter? I'll leave the chat open for it and be silent for a minute or so while you type that into the chat or open your mic and call it out. Don't need to wait for me to come to you. If you've got your hand up or anything like that. What do people think makes a good presentation? Interactive. Cool passion and interest by the presenter. Yep. Well-connected story. Yep. Knowing your material thoroughly, clear speaking, clear structure, simple language, focus on the audience, illustrated, relevant. Yep. Solid messages. course cool. so I think all of those things are really good. Clear flow of the presentation. Yep. Engaging and concrete. Logical sequence, brief and clear slides. Yep, that's a really good one. Cool, thanks for that. So, in terms of what I think, here's a long list, and you know, stick to time. Practice it, don't read, keep text to a minimum, use images whenever you can, don't hide behind the lectern, move around the stage, direct your gaze at the audience and consider using a 3MT approach. Now, that's one way of presenting that information. And here's another way of presenting exactly the same information. So you should definitely stick to time. I think one of the worst things that we do as academics is think that time is flexible or whole, across a whole range of areas. Uh, including presentations. Uh, and bit, but being to time is going to be to your advantage. But more importantly, knowing how to run your 15 minute talk in five or 10 minutes because other academics can't fit to time is going to be appreciated by your audience as well. So that idea of front ending your presentation is a useful way of being able to stick to time regardless of the situation. The next thing is to practice heaps. So, you know, it's like riding a bike, put some training wheels on and present your presentation to whoever might be willing to listen. Or even if no one's willing to listen, present like this, turn your video on, present to the video. The other thing that that will allow you, particularly for those of you, and I'm sure a lot of us now presenting to Zoom, you can really see that I'm looking at the camera now and that feels like I'm looking at you. Whereas if I look down here and read my notes, suddenly I'm less engaged with you. It feels less direct to you. So this idea of practicing looking at the camera, getting used to looking at that rather than looking at yourself and what you might look like on screen or your other notes that you've got over there, practice looking down the barrel of the camera. If you don't know where your camera is, what you can do is get a little sticker Um, and take your finger and cover it up and so I know it's right there Um, and then you can put a sticker to point to the camera and so on your computer or on your phone or whatever camera you're using you've got a little sticker that points directly to your camera so you know where you've got to look all the time so that's part of practice don't use notes don't read notes Um, you and that's it's all about engagement from that perspective like I said from a, you know, in front of your computer point of view, del- delivering a Zoom based presentation, you know, when your gaze diverts to other things, then that is noticeable. But in a, in a room full of people, looking down at your phone for notes or looking at a piece of paper for notes can be distracting for others. Having said that, if you really need them, use them, but don't let it become a, a, a prop that you need all of the time. Um, I've already covered or don't have slides full of text. So I'm sure the way that I went through that first slide made it really hard. I raced through it. You probably got distracted with trying to read. Um, and if you're listening, a lot of you are probably sitting there with your video off, camera, mic off, having a coffee, eating lunch, pretending you're actually listening to me when you're actually doing something else. So this idea of providing a lot of description around what it is that you show is, is really useful rather than reading text off a slide images are far more engaging than lots of text so use images people's faces are more engaging than not using people's faces all of these things can help make your conference presentation more interesting to the audience and make for a better presentation in terms of you as the presenter try to avoid the one on the left so that's you know i um, standing in the behind the lectern you see a lot of people grab onto the lectern like this trying to work out uh, you know Holding tight, if I don't let go, getting tenser and tenser and tenser, holding onto the lectern. If you can, adopt for the, um, For the roving mic, that'll allow you to move around the stage if you'd like to do that. Don't run up and down, but moving up and down the stage left and right is a really useful way of engaging your audience as well and being more interesting. Um, On Zoom, hand gestures, you know, they can be really useful. You can point left and right or right and left. You can um, ask people to do thumbs up to screen type in the chat do a poll these are different ways of kind of achieving this same idea of movement on the stage uh that you might not get uh in a video based approach and then make eye contact so i already talked about looking down the barrel of the camera and that's how you make eye contact on a video audience but in a real room don't avoid eye contact with people you know if you've got your research group friends or mates in the presentation with you you could potentially engage with them have them stand at the back of the room so you lift your gaze every now and again so everyone in the room feels interested and engaged don't neglect a side of the room i have been in presentations whereas the presenter stood up and stood just on the left hand side and so the right hand side of the room was never looked at at any point in time and that can feel disengaged and unengaged in that looking people in the face also gives you good feedback about whether what you're saying is landing with people whether they're interested or not and it also can help um, particularly in a face-to-face or an in-person presentation it can help um, you stop them from being distracted from your presentation so looking at someone while they're texting might discourage them from continuing to text or type that email so that might be useful as well uh, as you go and finally in terms of um, style have a look at the swathes and swathes of resources in the 3mt or the three minute thesis space there's heaps and heaps and heaps of information out there Um, use it and follow it to um to your advantage And I think I already mentioned this, you know, if you want to weave a story arc through your experiment. So uh, what I did when I was a student talked about the difficulties that I faced and I didn't put up all of the failed experiments, but I just talked about the agony and the ecstasy of, you know, conducting that piece of work, collecting that data, getting ethics approval, all of those things um were part of the story arc of my presentations and it i felt and i you know the feedback that i got was that these were more interesting presentations because they got a sense of me the researcher as part of that presentation does anyone have any questions on all of that cool all right we'll move on to the next bit thanks janice love your thumbs up um so One of the things that I said was ask for what you're after. And in consulting land, what we do is we start the conversation by talking about what we're going to do at the end of the conversation. So you you might start your presentation with, um, um, you know, for example, if you need more funding, you might say funding for this is due to run out at, at the end of the year or the middle of next year. So we're looking to get this refunded. I'd love your thoughts on that at the end of the piece of work and I'll give you some time to do that. Um, If you feel so inclined, you could talk about your contract ending. If that's up up to you, you could talk about, I need collaborators. I need help resolving a problem. Um, So this idea of setting the talk up So you can ask at the end, but setting it up at the start. So like I did today, I said, it's a short presentation. There'll be more information. You can get resources later. And so when I come to present those resources, I can say, remember at the start, I told you that it'd be quick. If you want more information, here it is. And so people are expecting that call to action, that ask at the end of your talk. So if you know what you're after, you can talk about, I'm gonna talk about what I'm after at the end of the talk, at the start of the talk. I hope that makes sense. Um, finish strong. So let's say you've, um, you've been given 15 minutes, you've gone on stage and it, now you've got 10 minutes left because of the technical difficulties and of earlier um, presenters. So make sure you don't cut that last little ask bit out. So you might say, I'm gonna stop early so that you can ask questions, or I'm gonna stop early, just bearing in mind, I'm still looking for funding for this and now I'm open to questions. So stopping early might be a better way of dealing with it rather than trying to rush through your last 30 slides. Um, and you can say, oh, you know, because of the technical difficulties, because of, you know, starting late, all of those things are reasonable reasons, but make sure you finish strong. Don't just rush through the last 30 slides um, at the end of your talk, trying to fit it all in. And again, if you front end your pub, your presentation with stuff that is, um, that you want to talk about, it means that you don't feel rushed, missing out on stuff that that perhaps is towards the end of your talk. talk. Um for not just for digital presentations like this, but for poster presentations, use QR codes. So if you hold your camera up to the, to the screen now and take a photo of this QR code, you'll get access or you'll go straight to, um, well, well done, Nia. Um, you'll get access to um, a document that I wrote that basically covers all of this. Um, which is a really cool way of engaging with your audience. I built this for free. It took me less than a minute to do um, before I made this presentation and that will always work it'll always send people to that url that i put in there if you want to pay money um you can have url redirect so there's one qr code that'll take you the audience to whatever url you want it to do i could have put my logo in the middle of this if i wanted to pay as well so this is a really useful way digitally and in real um and in person, useful way of connecting with people around um, whatever it is that you might want to share with them. You can put contact details, you can put a file, you could put your research paper, if, it, if this is published work that you're talking about, as a QR code, you could put your entire presentation as a QR code um, for someone to download if they're interested. So use QR codes, it makes it really easy for people to type in um, web addresses. Uh, website for the QR code. No problem. Um, I'll should finish before one fifteen. Remind me to come back to that and I'll open up my web browser um, and show you where I got it from. Um, so for poster presentations, again, make them visible. So, you know, lots of people talk about um, being able to read it from 10 feet away I've, and that means 72 point font. I don't think I've seen a poster presentation with 72 point font ever. So if we talk about being visible from three feet away or one meter rather than three meters, uh, again, we, I think it's 26 point font that we need at that distance. And again, I don't think many present poster presentations are that big. There's lots of advice out there. Oh, thank you. Someone's posted it in. Yeah, exactly. Just Google it and you'll get the QR codes. Um, so, um, what was I saying? Some people, um, There's lots of good resources that help you create good poster presentations. And a lot of them are talking about, again, a story arc and you can do a flow diagram. But again, what is it that you want people to leave with from your poster presentation? Um, what What do you want them to do having read your presentation? Do you want them to see your results? Do you want them to become a collaborator? Do you need reagents? Do you need funding? And how do you make that most prominent on your poster? In some cases, it might be a direct line of text that says, I'm looking for that. Um, you know you might want to if your results are prominent make those the biggest section on your poster introduction methods all of that can be tiny you know censor it about your key result the thing that you want to share Um, you can put a qr qr code on there you could make um, flyer sized copies of your presentation and you could share that with anyone that comes by your presentation you could have a flyer for your real-time presentation as well and again if you don't want to um, do a bunch of paper stuff because you're concerned about the environment or the expense qr codes is a great way to achieve the same result um, for lower cost um if you're going to a presentation please 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 make sure you have business cards if it is in real life nothing worse than going to a presentation having people want to connect with you and having no way of exchanging that connection information with them so this is an example of the back of my business card you can see it's got all of my contact details on there and a qr code the qr code takes them to the contact page on my website so again they can engage with some of the stuff that I've built and developed. In terms of a Zoom-based interaction like this, how can you, you know, it's really hard to engage conversation in a presentation like this. You might be allotted 10 minutes and not see anyone again. There's no opportunity for someone to bump into you at the coffee cart or bump into you at lunch or at um, morning or afternoon tea. So how do you do that virtually? The easiest way that I've found is to basically set yourself up with a time and place that you'll be online. So you could, if you've got Facebook and you're in a group, you could say you'll be in the group chat at this time you could do a facebook live event straight after your talk you could do a facebook live event at the um at the notional time of the um, lunch for the talk or the presentations you could put a zoom link that people can look to book up book a meeting with you Um, In your talk or as part of the QR code. So being available to have those meetings is really important. And if it is face to face, if someone says, let's meet, get your computer get your computer out, get your phone out and set that meeting up straight away. Um, Yeah, set that meeting up straight away. And that'll be a really useful way of locking in that time to chat right after. Does anyone have any questions or comments on that? looks like lots of people have got um, examples of QR code stuff there. Some QR code places want your um, email address and name. So they're gonna mark it to you obviously, but you still get some more functionality as a result of providing that information. Others will just happily provide you with the QR code so you can use it. Um, are there any questions on any of what I've presented? Everyone's all good, perfect. Cool. Well, I think the QR code question has been answered. If you're interested in more information, I run a bunch of programs around a whole range of things. At the moment, starting in January, I've got three new programs focused on different things that might be of interest to you, journal writing, thesis writing, or social media setup. If those are interest, of interest to you, um, I'm just going to put up a poll. Um tick the box and I'll get some more information out to you about how you might get involved in those programs. Um, I've got a newsletter as well. So if you're interested in being enrolled in that, tick that box and I'll, and I'll get that out to you. Um, I can help you with a bunch, a bunch of different things around audits and I'm happy to extend the audit idea to your, to a presentation. So if, if you want to build a presentation and do an audit um, I can make that happen as well. So if you're interested in those things, just tick one of those and I'll send some information to you and you can write back and say, I ticked the audit button, but I'm actually interested in presentation audit. Um, I've got a bunch of stuff around LinkedIn, etc. So if that's something that you're interested in, I don't think I've got an option for the LinkedIn stuff in there. Um, feel free to reply to whatever I might send to you and let me know. Um, And the one thing that you might've seen in that list is group coaching. So that, that starts in January. um, And that's all about whatever it is that you might want to get, get going for 2021. In terms of what else is going on, only two more workshops left for this year. Next week, we're looking at Twitter for researchers uh, and the week after we're looking at having tough conversations with your supervisor and then we don't come back until the 3rd of february but there's heaps of content like i said on my website there's heaps of content on youtube on um all of the social media channels that i'm part of so if that's you um feel free to reach out um once again these are my contact details if you have any questions i'm happy to stay on for the next um 10 minutes or so and ask, answer any questions um i know that i asked you a question when i um set this up um, so if you feel like the you know what you wanted to get out of this i didn't cover please open up your mic or type it into the chat and i will attempt to answer it now hi richard this is River. Hi, Ruba. Um, thank you so much for this wonderful you know presentation no problem um, i actually gained a lot from it oh, cool. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad to hear. Yeah. Uh, just one thing. Um, I tried to uh, add, like, you know, for my, um, you, you know, that last poll that you had. Can you also mm-hmm. add me to the writing um, for the 15 minutes? Yeah, 15 cool. weeks for the thesis. 15 weeks for your thesis. Yeah. No problems, yeah. I will do that. Yeah. I'll note that down. Cool. Any other other? so engaging. I actually loved it. Oh, cool. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. And, and then, I guess... Go on. Sorry, it, it kind of got me like, you know, thinking about how I would structure my next one. So I yeah. really, you know, appreciate that. Thank you. No problem. Um, I hope that I was able to provide an example of how your talk might look and be, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that you said it was, this was engaging. Oh, and, and you did provide an example. Thank you so much. <laughs> cool. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. No problem. Thanks. Bye. Any other questions? No, cool. Well, there we go. Awkward silence at the end of the talk other than Ruba's question, no problem. Thank you, everyone. We'll finish early. You can get 10 minutes of your um, day back. Go and enjoy the sun if you're in Melbourne or anywhere else that it's sunny. Uh, Thanks for your time. And I'll be in, in touch with all of you via email in some form or another. Take care and maybe see you next week. Bye.